Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about trying to cover a hundred topics because the game design sphere is just really exciting, you know? I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we'll be talking about our experience being at Metatopia, all the cool games we saw, and our experience playtesting both of our very different games. So when, when and where are we, Brandon? Uh, we are somewhere in the hazy week after Metatopia. Yeah. Which, it's been a week. I started my new job, and I've been so tired. Uh, my new job is amazing, and I love it. And I've just been still just continuously destroyed by Metatopia. <laughs> I stayed up so late, so many nights. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the important things we have to address right off the bat was when we last spoke to you all the li- out there in listener land, uh, we said we were going to be recording at Metatopia. <laughs> And, and that didn't happen. Yeah. Turns out lots of fun things and lots of people happen at Metatopia. Yeah. And we just couldn't find time. Yeah, I actually had multiple recording things scheduled with multiple people that just everything fell through, uh, which is okay because yeah. I ended up getting to chat with them anyway and talk through a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> man, it's been a week. Yeah, but now hopefully you can see why past james was like waving you off and saying no no no, we shouldn't try to record like a protean city episode we shouldn't try to record uh, wow jeff stormer the hardest working man in podcasting yeah. managed multiple recordings. oh well that's because so, he's the hardest working man in sh- in in, uh, in podcasting yeah that's true so. that's true yeah we, we cannot live up to that <laughs> that speed and lifestyle i think he might be at a convention right now yeah they are at a catacomb this weekend and next week is also at another convention so jeff and meg of modifier and a whole bunch of other folks yeah are all at a catacomb this weekend out in i want to say ohio i think I, it's ohio my brain is saying a catacomb in dayton ohio but i don't know but i have no um, idea if that's based then, on anything and then next week Jeff is packs unplugged, is yes. which is a new a new uh, convention. Yeah, um, for pen and paper games. Because yes. I guess there was a there was like a weird thing happening in regular packs conventions where there was just enough pen and paper gaming happening that yeah. somebody finally said, "What if we just took all that pen and paper gaming stuff and did its own convention?" Because they're they're getting in the way of the controllers. Yeah, and they're they're shouting and laughing instead of staring blankly at computer screens. But we'll like put it in Philadelphia. So yeah, no definitely. One will come. Definitely, definitely want to put it somewhere else. Uh, I don't know why you were just throwing shade on Philadelphia. I, I feel like Philadelphia, Philadelphia is a fine. It's a fine city. No, the Phillies. I have a problem. You have a problem. I have a, problem. <laughs> I have a rivalry with their baseball team. Oh, okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's represent. Yeah, go Yankees. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we lost so we, much of sports hey, on this podcast. We, we just lost no listeners because none of our listeners care about sports as much as they do about RPGs. Uh, which actually, actually, that leads us segues, segues right into what we were going to talk about, yeah. which is that we both brought some games to Metatopia to playtest, mm-hmm. and we want to talk about playtesting, and we want to talk about all the games we played, and the yeah. stuff we saw, and the people we met, and all that cool stuff. Yeah, this is going to have to be a tight episode. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. So why don't we, I'll kick this off, and I can talk about the first playtest that I ran, which was especially interesting because it yeah. involved two of our listeners. Yes, it did. Um, and so I playtested my fantasy fantasy football game, mm-hmm. and attending that test i got to meet yeah. listeners chad and jason and i really liked both of them yeah <laughs> was, yeah yeah, yeah. I, it was I, a i met so many people that are parts of our community and they were all so wonderful yeah uh, and I, I wish some of them i didn't get nearly enough time to hang out with yeah um but next year or maybe sooner 
And so it was really cool. We sat down and with one other gentleman who signed up um, of their own volition, having never heard anything about me or this podcast. Um, and we talked about this game. And I went in with a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. And I think I mostly answered them because my my big question was just, is this a game? Is this worth pursuing? Okay. And I think we all kind of said, yeah. I mean, we went, okay. off, we went off on some interesting tangents. Nice. Um, I really need to explore the idea of maybe running it off of other other fantasy things other than just football. Yeah. Because there's tons of baseball information. But like... Mm-hmm. Uh, as Linnea or Jason was saying that there's a ton of information recorded about um, like League of Legends and Dota and like esports stuff. Yeah. So you could almost run it off of that, which would lend itself maybe a little nicer to the fantasy aspects of it. Or I mean, just in terms of always having something that you can look at. Like, I think they were telling me that it's 12 week seasons or something yeah, like that. That sounds about right. So you can just jump in yeah. and go like, oh, we're eight weeks away. We're three weeks away and just have it going as opposed to the months and months and months that we have to sit and cry and wait for fantasy. Yeah. (laughs) Do do we have to wait for football to start? A lot of what I talked about ended up being about how you could take the game. Because the other thing I was asking was like, how how, is is it isn't enough for it to just be a a system that we use to uh, to like interpret real world events to turn it into a story? Or do we want some kind of a more of a mechanic? I really like the idea that you and I came up with when we talked about it for the episode about uh, having the the postseason or the uh, like the the finals or the playoffs playoffs is the word I'm looking for uh, the playoffs <laughs> as a as a boss fight of a dragon I think that's really good um, yeah I talked about we talked about even doing other stuff like um, having sort of a uh, an actual like penny betting system on the side okay um, making those bets actually like real uh, or based off of the gold that you had br- brought in yeah um, I talked we talked about. Um, we talked about actually having a map, like uh, because oh. this is the thing that that I've seen people do, um, just for like for regular pro football. Yeah. You have a map of the United States. Um, there are some pretty solid maps of like what areas of the country are 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 like fans of which pro teams, and so oh, you basically cool. like you could start off. And so what they'll do is they say, here is the world broken up into these kingdoms of these countries, yeah. and then if like the Giants beat the Jets one day, then the Giants take over a percentage or all of Jets country. Okay. And the Jets get go back to just being like a small portion of their area. Yeah. Or they become a, run, a like a roaming band. And then if they take over, and then if like the Cowboys beat the Giants, then, yeah. then they get all of the Giants territory and all of uh, Jets territory. Right. And then you can just like, it's this, these kind of cool maps. And so you could do something similar to like that. You might want to, you'd have to probably not use a map of the United States. You'd use a fantasy map. Um, but you could almost envision these, these matchups as being invading armies. Or I mean, you turn the United States map upside down. Yeah. Or like turn it sideways or something and it'll look a little different and a little weird. Yeah, um, we talked about it being interesting because it can be a solo game, but it can be like really as many people as you want. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of went, I kind of went off on this like wild tangent where I started thinking, what if, what if these weren't fantasy adventures? What if like fantasy wasn't your thing, but you like the rough concept? Yeah. Um, in the way that like Doctor uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen has... Uh, alternate settings where you play yeah. in different in different worlds, uh, and I started thinking about what if this like each of these people represented some uh, mechanical system in a giant mechanical robot. 
Okay. Or or even better, what if each of them were pilots of some sort of Voltron robot that had come together and so like you have you have Odell Beckham pilots the hand robot and <laughs> don't don't let him pilot the ankles. No, not the ankle robot. Uh, that's why I went with hand. And you've got all these different people and they all represent pilots. And then you could talk about them and you could almost do uh you could almost do the end battle mechanic. Yeah. Uh, every week. If you were to, true. if you want to tell a more cooperative story and not a and not a uh, um, competitive competitive story, uh, and I think that's interesting. Um, I need to. I think the theming slides in really easily. I think it's pretty easy to to flip that out. Um, I think that it's worth. I think that this this is a short game. This is a, yeah. a one or two page game, uh, maybe with some fluff to help build things out. Yeah. Um, but it was cool, and it was a uh, it was my first focus group. It was my first playtest, and like I think it went really well. That's that's phenomenal. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, that was one that I was like looking at signing up for, and then I went, wait, <laughs> I already did that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, did yeah, that we thing did it already. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, do you want to talk about more of your playtests, or do you want to hop on to something we did with someone else, or what do you um, think? I want to talk about so so. Let's just like lay out really quickly because we got to move through this pretty quick. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about your playtests. Okay, uh, coming coming back to Metopia a second year in a row. Yes, playtesting the same game. Yeah, and what were the how did things work differently? How did things go the same? Um, how you you obviously you had some information from last year. Uh, that you presumably acted on. Yeah, a whole lot of other stuff happened because so you, many things happened. You started working with Magpie Games, and, yeah, and and you learned some stuff from them. So coming back a second year, how did that happen? Uh, like, wh- what happened with your playtests this year? I want to talk about my playtests. Okay, um, and I want, and I'm hoping that you will have some advice as someone who did just do that, right. bring their game a second year in a row. To how do I, how do I leaving Metatopia? I have all of this input. Yeah, um, how do I act on that? Okay. I want to talk a little bit about playtesting from either in a, in a sort of larger meta sense yeah. about um, how you playtest and how you playtest in, sen- in the sense of running a playtest and also being in one. Yeah. And then I want to talk about all the rest of the games we played. Sounds and, good. And the cool stuff. Oh, that man, we're, we're going to have to do like one liners for I those actually things. Think that, I think that there's enough about the how do you playtest. Yeah. That that's going to have to be its own episode. That's what that's a possibility. Introduce that and we'll come yeah. back later. Okay, cool. So uh, second year. Uh, I came back uh, last year. I had done three play tests. Two of them went really well. One of them went uh, kind of a little lukewarm. This year, I signed up for three. I did a fourth secret one, and we did a fifth secret one that only did character creation. Yeah. And what I'm kind of seeing with this game is that 50% of the time, it has been hitting exactly what I want it to do. And that was half true last year yeah but this year it's really when it hits it hits really hard and hits really well uh and you end up with just these wonderfully flirtatious passionate telenovela stories yeah can uh, we can we just pause and, yeah and, and step back and say the um from last year yeah you well, when you went last year you had the okay, core yeah. of the game and you had eight playbooks yes last last year i had eight playbooks i took out three of them yeah and added a new one. Okay. So now I'm at six playbooks. Yeah. And they're way more polished. Yeah. Last year, each of the playbooks had two moves. This year, each of the playbooks has four moves, and so you actually get an option between them. The All of the basic moves were completely rewritten. There was a There's a new uh, death mechanic, or face certain death thing. Which is awesome. Which is, it, that was fun. And I, I want to see it in action. Has it hit anywhere? 
It has. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, cool, cool we cool. had a character so that uh, I haven't gotten the, you know what? Unfortunately, people rolled exceptionally well when they faced certain death. So we got to look at it and kind of like, you know, say, oh, hey, that's how that goes. But people were more or less able to just describe how they escaped. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's not as cool. Yeah. So part of me wants <laughs> to make come it back with a mask. Or yeah, exactly. And so part of me wants to just make it so that face certain death always hits that mechanical list in some way. Yeah. But I'm not 100 percent sure I'd do it yet. Um, in any case, I think it the mechanics really backed it up better, which is good. That is kind of the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A absolutely. year of work, a year of work has moved it in a positive direction. And so the ones that really, really hit well hit better than they did last year. Cool, cool. And the ones that I felt were a little more lukewarm still hit better than the ones that were lukewarm from last year. Okay. So it's it's a movement in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like what I kind of have been doing this, this Metatopia is saying, what are the factors that really separated those two kinds of playtests? Yeah. Uh, I think a big part of it is the degree to which I made it clear and the players were aiming for it being really flirtatious. Mm-hmm. Uh, when things got overly businessy, I think it hit a little bit less well. Like I yeah. think, because I think there is a lot of space in it for uh, politicking and doing sneaky things and setting up deals and all of that. But I think that that doesn't hit quite as well as the romantic side of things. Yeah. And and getting a little ahead of ourselves yeah. <laughs> into the conversation about playtesting. Yeah. Uh, something that you and I talked about in the car ride home from Metatopia was sort of that the exercise of of, of looking back at the playtest and thinking yeah. about why, like, if these are not hitting well, then mm-hmm. what are those elements? And is it is it just that those people didn't get it and right. you got bad playtesters or whatever? Not bad playtesters, but well, people who weren't into that type of game because that could happen. And I so mean, maybe it's not the game's fault. Yeah, I've I've played in playtests that I was radically unqualified yeah. to play in. Oh, me too. And I like you know I ended up in it because they needed an additional person, yeah, or because I didn't realize the degree of mastery I would need for the system, <laughs> and I just was bad. Yeah. Um. And I don't really feel like I had people that were. I don't feel like I had anyone who was bad. Right. Well, and that's, last that's, last year I had I had one player that intentionally was breaking the game. Yeah. And that is a bad play tester. And we'll talk about that at some other point. But that's also, that is also a really hard thing to walk away from because yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't yeah. tell you like you can only write so much about how to play the game in your game. Yeah. At some point you, at some point you will be the, your players will be self-selecting themselves yeah. because they will be, they'll be buying the game. Exactly. <laughs> and if they're not buying the game, then they're not probably interested. Yeah. And like the and, front cover of the book, I think has oh, a little bit of yeah. a. We might be able to. Link, we might need to link this. And yeah, I wonder if it'll be available on Drive Through. Oh, because it's going to be available on Drive Through. I've, I've been soon. checking. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Um. Uh. But like, I think honestly, the cover of the book yeah, will help a with way. a lot of the self selection of it because the Ashcan at least has a very a very sexy cover. Yeah. But the, I mean, but the other thing is if like you've sort of started to be- believe that the game really needs to have that flirtatious romance yeah. aspect. Well, then that's, that's a, that's a thing you can act on. That's an yeah. actionable uh, response. Definitely. Like, you can go add more things that push those characters towards, yeah. uh, towards that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we were, t- you were talking at the very end of Metatopia with some folks about, 
um, analyzing the sort of layout or not the layout, but the, the, the yeah, the layout of the mechanics yeah. and like what you could do. And could you add a mechanic that would like a stress track type mechanic that would like push people towards romance or force them into romance yeah. scenes? Or what can you do in it from a from a behavioral sense to reward people for doing that kind of action? I mean, like one of the things that was occurring to me that it's just it's super light and very easy to do is there isn't any intimacy move in the game. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I did assuming that there would be too much intimacy for us to be doing a move <laughs> yeah. both to trigger and after. Uh, but it might just be a nice thing to have like, hey, moment of intimacy, yeah. you get this. Even if it was one move that any time you have a moment of intimacy, your stress goes down one. Yeah. Like that would just be a thing that says, hey, go do this thing. It's like masks having the condition clearing. Yeah. And if you, and and that gives you the option to make them different for each of the players. Yeah. So that you or for each of the playbooks so that you can kind of say, this is the way that El Jefe re- relates to other people in, in a romantic way. Yeah. This is the way that the twin relates to people in a romantic way. This is yeah. the way, uh, Empleada does. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, and like those sorts of, um, signaling tools, yeah. On the playbook, even if even if the person is not interested yeah. in like if you are playing El Jefe, you yeah. may it may not be appropriate or reasonable for you to, to be engaging in romance. I did when I played El Jefe, yeah. but maybe that's I mean, but it's maybe awesome. that's not. <laughs> but even if you were playing a businessy game where most people are just doing business stuff, yeah. um, having that piece of information that says when El Jefe really like it romances someone, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Even if you were not romancing anyone, it gives you another point of contact with the playbook with the with the tropes that yeah. tells you how to play that character. Yeah. So I think really kind of big picture, what I was doing this year was different from last year in that I was aware that the concept works. I was aware that some of the things would work well. And I was aiming more towards how do I make sure that every playtest sings? And I got some data from it and I'm able to hopefully take some of that data and make it so that, and basically just raise that percentage of play, of games that work well versus games that don't. Uh, we also had hopefully been selling the ash can, but unfortunately there was some shipping errors and so it didn't make it. But I know that people are starting to get their hands on it through uh, sneaky illicit <laughs> means. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of people tag me with like, I got the book. And I'm like, how did you do that? And they're like, I know, I know someone. <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> and then going through all sorts of back channels. Um but I think really what I have now is and I think also what you have now is a bunch of comments that may or may not be useful. Yeah. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. Okay, cool. Um, Do you want to talk about that today or next, I think I think I want to I want to touch on what episode. I, I want to touch on what I want to talk about and then okay. next episode we can talk about cool. it in, in, at length because I think Sounds we good. don't have time now. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> Let's talk about my Ice hauler game. Yeah, let's talk about uh, <sighs> ice truck spacing. Space ice hauler heartbreak is what Space we called it. Ice hauler heartbreak, which yes. I think is a very effective title at conveying functionally what the game is about. It does. It definitely it is does. A otherwise horrible title. <laughs> well, it's. I think part of the issue with the title is that I have heard other variants of that title. Yeah, and so I can't keep it straight. I don't know if other people you and can. I, you and I have been calling it Space Ice Road Truckers for so for long. so long. <laughs> So, okay, so let me just, so here's, first I ran a high test. Yeah. And second, uh, on Sunday I ran a regular test. Okay. And both of them were excellent. Good. And both of them were excellent in different ways. Awesome. So right up front, 
the first play test, my high test, I got to introduce and have play my game. Yeah. Megan Dornbrock, Cat nice. Cool. Nice. Um, Rob Donahue. Nice. And Brian Ship. Man, that is a good high test right it there. Is. It is a very good high test. And these are people who, like, Meg talks about uh, hacking games in her podcast. So yeah. she's talked about with talked with tons of developers. Um, Cat and likes games about kissing and likes games about kissing. Um, Cat Cool runs campaign and has been on one shot forever. So she has also played tons of games. And yeah, also likes games, likes games about, about kissing. kissing. Um, Rob Donahue was like integral to developing Fate, which is awesome. And Brian Ship is of. Uh, Worked on forthright open role play and is of uh, he he, he uh, works for Room Two Hundred Nine Gaming um, and everyone in that playtest was just excellent. Um, I think my and so like one of the things that I was hoping or I think I ha- I may have expressed this fear early on that my my biggest fear was that I would get into the game and it would just kind of work not yeah. well but just like kinda. And and that I wouldn't have any really like actionable information to walk away from. So the thing that was great about that playtest was that Kat, so the cat and Meg paired off and yeah. they just like dove into the story of the game and they like kind of asked me a whole bunch of questions about like what kinds of characters you could make and they ended up playing like two lizard women I think. Um, you haven't told me this. And they played like alien lizard aliens, and that like kind of instructed a whole bunch of weird things about their game. Oh my god! In gosh. a cool way, um, Rob and Brian played a, a more traditional, like more to the the regular style that I was imagining. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool, and and one of I think one of my, one of one of my favorite moments in the game in the playtest, and maybe one of my favorite moments at Metatopia. Yeah. Was when, um. So we, we were in one room and we had split to different corners of the room and about halfway through the playtest, Rob and Brian called me over and we're just like, hey, so we we basically played through like three or four uh, routes. We feel like we've really got this game. Do you want to just talk about it? And we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. And in in our conversation, um, they started talking about uh, like, did they did I think that it had to was I tied to it being a romantic couple? Right. Could they play it a different way? And they said, screw it. Let's just do that. And see if it works. Like changing absolutely nothing. Let's just see if it just works. See if it and happens. So, and yeah. then so they they went back and played again as a father son pair. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And so I walked away from that with a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, they had a, they all um, all of them had a lot of interesting comments about. Um, I was a little bit worried about the uh, the balance of play. Like, okay. Obviously, a lot of the game is designed towards deciding where the ice hauler would go. And I was worried right. that like, so from a, from a gameplay narrative sense, you are spending a lot of your time deciding what the ice hauler is going to do. Okay. And, and then the ice hauler is really frankly do it. Like there's this weird dichotomy uh, where the ice hauler is doing the coolest stuff, but it should feel the most boring. Right. Because they're just off at their job. Yeah. And they don't have any choices. Like they shouldn't have as many choices. They just like they're on a spaceship. They're going. It happens. Um, the ice, the, the lighthouse, which is what I've been calling the lover. Uh, they stay at home. They have all the choices in the world. They can do whatever the heck they want. Like they just yeah. can't see the lo- the ice hauler. And so how do you make the like typical average earthy stuff that like you and I live and make that feel the most interesting and take the cool spacey stuff and make that feel the most boring. Right. Exactly. At least in terms of, and that, and then make sure, making sure that the, that the, the, um, the, 
lighthouse has enough stuff to make choices about. Right. And, yeah. and I think I have some really good ideas. Um, both that group and the next play group had felt that the age mechanic of like how old were you and how much time has passed since the game yeah. started was important. Yeah. And there wasn't a good enough way to track it. They all had to do okay. math and write it down. And the math. And sucks. that's not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, we talked about a system where you might have a, a set unit of time on okay. each card uh, would be a unit of, like uh, an event that happened in that unit of time. Yeah. So this is a path that I may go down. Yeah. Of like, if you have the ice hauler is gone for two units of time, and mm-hmm. the person on Earth experiences four, well then the ice hauler draws two space cards. Okay. And the person on Earth draws four. And okay. You can see how many cards you have, and that's how many units of time you've lived. Yeah. And it also deals with the disparity of oh yeah um, how of experience. more stuff should have happened to the the lighthouse. Yeah. Over the the course of those years. Yeah. And so because right now they each get one prompt. Yeah. And so I either need to make those prompts feel bigger, like talk about mm-hmm. eras of time. Like one of my prompts is about um, how the couple's dog dies. Yeah. But that's like a really short term event. Yeah. Um. It's, and it has the emotional punch that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. but in terms of the the like the like uh, conveying the time aspect of it, it doesn't, do a, that. doesn't quite do that. So yeah. that's something I need to work on. Okay, cool. Um, that's the, good. That's actionable. That is something you can look at is. and do. And so really, like, so my concern was either that the game was going to like totally just not work at all. Yeah. Because like basically I walked in and I said, I have no beginning of this game and I have <laughs> no end. Um, here is what the end mechanic would look like. You have yeah. a contract. Uh, presumably, each of these routes is paying out some money, but I don't have a way to do that right now. Yeah. So just kind of go, and when you feel like you're done, end. Or if we run out of time, or if you run out of content. Yeah. Um, I found that in the two-hour session, they were playing about uh, three to six um, routes, and yeah. that was about what I was expecting. Okay. I was hoping that my core mechanic of this conversation, which was the only thing we were testing, like, here are yeah. two prompts, go have a conversation. Yeah. Can you build a story out of that? And the answer is, fortunately for me and the future of this game, <laughs> yes. Yes, Good. you can. That's and people amazing. Made, and, and, and even with the other rocky mechanics and having to do some math, yeah. people told some really cool stories. That's so good. Um, and so that's good. But I was all, but it didn't, it didn't just sing. It didn't just work. Yeah. And, it, and people didn't kind of go, eh, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's I was, not bad. I was talking with uh, John Adamus, a uh, good friend of the show, who was talking about how the worst result you can possibly get is I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And because that, because there's nothing to do. There's no useful information in it. There's no marketable information in it. It's just, I like it. It's vague and it gives you nothing. (laughs) And it shows that your game didn't hit as hard as you'd like it to. What I took out of my, the playtesting was that all of the players liked the prompts. Yeah. Good. Prompts are the meest part of the game. Yeah. That's the the hardest thing for you to take out. Stayed up till 2 a.m. writing these Mm -hmm. prompts and they are the core of the game. And if they are punchy enough and if they are emotionally enough, emotional enough, then I can rework the mechanics until. Yeah. I feel it until I feel like they're good. And that's, that's easy. That's like, it's a card game. The actual gameplay yeah. is not that difficult. So that's fine. All of the, all of my, the criticisms of the game were, were that good. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, um, congratulations. Yeah. And, and I wanted to share a really quick story. Okay. Uh, from the second play test, um, at where we had, and it was just like a kind of an interesting event that occurred where showing the sort of randomness of this game and the weird stories it will tell. Yeah. Um, the one couple got a prompt that was the, the lighthouse 
cheated on the ice hauler with their with the lover with the ice hauler's best friend. Okay. And it was this deep emotional scene where they like they had to confess that they had just cheated on them. And the, yeah. They they'd been gone for a year and like, you know, things just happened at this point. They had a kid. They'd played a game of Pasión de las Pasiones together and things just got real steamy. And so they were looking for emotional support and that person was like a friend of their yeah. of their of the of their their significant other. And so they had and it was just like this terrible moment. And the thing that I I was hoping would happen happened, which is the ice hauler went I this is terrible. How could you? I feel so betrayed. I'm leaving. Yeah. And they went off and rather than working together to decide which route they were on, they said, Bam, here's the route I'm going on. I'll see you in five years. Woof. <laughs> and just was like, I'm out. I yeah. can't deal with this. Yeah. And when they came back, the second like that trip, they pulled the prompt that said it was it was the it was a series of prompts that were all about pirates. Okay. Space pirates. Yeah. And they got the what did you have to steal from somebody else's ship to survive? Yeah. And so they told this story. They like basically swagger back in to their daughter, like their 10 year old daughter's birthday party. Yeah. Who they haven't seen in five years with a with a uh, significant other they haven't seen in five years. Yeah. Dressed like a space pirate with a cutlass and say <laughs> here here daughter here is the gift i have brought you i had to fight for this I've, i i i like i we were attacked by pirates and i had to fight for my life and i and i i boarded their ship and i took their ship and i took this cutlass and i am a space pirate now <laughs> and like and it was just this weird like oh, you guys so good. The, like from a story that makes sense yeah but from an emotional roller coastery place yeah like these two people had just this just had this emotional conversation yeah where they imagined themselves confessing that the one had cheated on the other yeah and then they went straight into space pirates wow and it was just as an emotionally tense scene if not more because they had just had the other one yeah and it was really cool that's really cool i really like that so there's there's some good stuff and and I'm I'm very excited with where I have like four or five pages of good. notes um, and it, it's going to be good. And so I guess we, so as someone I, I know we're going to do more about this, but I just want to say as someone who has play tested a game, you've got all sorts of notes and you need to remember yeah. that it is your game. Yes. And there will be times that people will tell you things. There will be times that people will tell you things that are really valid and really helpful yeah. if you were writing a different game. And there are times that people will tell you things that are wrong objectively. Yeah. And there are times that people will tell you things that are really helpful. And separating those three things out mm-hmm. is very important. We are going to have to do a whole episode on this. Because, Definitely. Because this is a cool thing and this is yeah. an important part of game design and game feedback. 100%. And a couple years ago, I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I think it actually may have been Rob Donahue. Okay. Or, and Cat Cool. Yeah. Um, but someone at Metopia did a panel on agile product project management and game As, design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I have been slowly moving into the project managing scene okay. at work. And I kind of had started real, like remembering that that panel had happened, and I didn't go, and I didn't kind of get why or yeah. what it was about. Um, and and it kind of clicked for me the other day. And okay. uh, and I just want to sort of share some initial thoughts on that. Cool. Because one, so one of ad, so if you are totally unaware. I am. We will we will get into this because we're gonna do a whole. Because we're gonna do a whole episode. Good. Um, Agile is a is a new agey style of project management that says like so. Your typical project management is called waterfall. Okay. Um, and it's like if you think about a project, that's what you're thinking of, where you like you you lay out all the things you want to do at the front and all the yeah. people who are involved, and then you lay out all the things that you need to get done to get to the end point, and then you yeah. just do them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that sounds yeah. like my method. <laughs> Agile is totally different. Okay. Agile says let's let's like work in 
two to two to four week sprints. Okay. And we'll like we'll identify problems. We'll work toward the end goal. We'll define what the end is. But after two after two to four weeks, we'll stop. We'll reevaluate. We'll see if we need to change anything, and we, and then you keep going. Oh, okay. And, and a and a um and it makes you it lets you like evaluate and reevaluate and say okay in this moment for this month we have this extra person so let's shift and move this thing up yeah. so we can work with them on it because that's their specialty and then when they're gone yeah. we'll go back to the thing we were working on and usually for like the company that I work on yeah. um you are rotating stuff okay um, so you have a sprint team and you are working um it's a, actually it's called a scrum team. Okay. Funny word. Um, and and a scrum team has a scrum master, and uh, um, and so you might say like you might be working on uh, <laughs> James this. is definitely a scrum master. Uh, not yet. It's an official title. It's a. I want to oh, get, okay. get that license though. Okay. Um, but so you might have your scrum team, and they might work on a thing for a sprint, and then that thing might be handed off to somebody else and their scrum team, and so it lets okay. you like rotate who's working on what. Um, and if that's like kind of like, especially for, it's a big programmer thing. Like that's how programmers work and it lets lots of people look at things. Okay. And yeah. It, and so one of the things that I want to talk about this right now, it's relevant, um, before we get into like this whole episode about it yeah. is the idea of user stories and, okay. and the, and the way that scrum, that, that, the agile systems sort of, um, take feedback and information and then coalesce that into action items. Yeah. And it's the the core of that, as I understand it, and I am probably slaughtering this. So if someone knows more about Agile than I do, please let me know. Um, <laughs> you collect user stories and they are in they are they are they are stories and they are in the form of like I am this user and I want I need to be able to do this. Or like I am a user of Snapchat and I would like to be able to add a friend. So yeah. there needs to be a button. Or okay, yeah. uh, if, if you're that early in the system or later, it can be in the form of I am a user and of Snapchat and I can't find the ad friend button. So that's yeah. a problem. Um, and so what you do is you might say so you could collect like if I've run all these, I have all these notes about my playtests and I could collect them in the format of I am like as 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 a Rob Donahue. <laughs> um, I feel like. Maybe this game could be about people who aren't romantically engaged with each other. Yeah, I as as Meg and Cat. This could be about this lizards. could be about lizard people. Yeah, and you take all these stories and you say like, I feel this. Like it's all just that you express yeah. the thoughts as they're feelings. Yeah, and with a little nugget of information about who they are. Yeah, because really, it could just be as a player of this game, I I X Y and Z. Yeah, and then you look at them and you and you like you and literally um, most agile books encourage you to put them on note cards and mm-hmm. put them on a pin. If you you're familiar with Trello, that Trello like that yeah, Kanban style with Trello um, is is sort of integral to the agile project management system oh okay and so what you would do is you would lay them all out in one column and then you and then the person who is the scrum master goes through and says oh i see well, i'm going to put the scrum together and they will say ignoring that uh <laughs> that like oh well, this person and this person and this person they're all talking about the same issue they're all talking about the same issue like they're expressing problems they had with the yeah. game um, but really, it's all the source of that is this. Is this, and so then that becomes the action the item. project, and or just like the action item on the project. Okay, and that becomes a thing to do. And so what you could do is you you collect all of these user stories, yeah. and build them into and and see if they're all if they're all from the same place, yeah. Um, and and if you could if you could go back and interrogate the users, you could get more more, more stories from out of that. them. Um, 
and then you you like lay them out into action items. Yeah. And then you choose which ones you think are the more most relevant. And you might say like, oh, well, this one like is obviously true. Like this is just like yeah. a the mechanics don't mathematically work. Yeah. That's a really easy fix. Let's just yeah. go fix that and make it work. I mean, have it's you not. Con- maybe have you considered fixing your math? Yeah. The amount of times I've heard, by the way, have you considered fixing your math? Essentially. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, I'm not gonna fix my math. <laughs> I I got that much less this year. I saw, I mean, I heard that much less this year. Last year, I was hearing that all over the place. And, oh. But, like, but if there's just a a real basic, like, these users wanted to do this thing and I wanted to do that thing and I just forgot to add it. Yeah. So then it needs to be a thing that gets added. And then you just can move it through and check it off. And then as you get the other things, you can evaluate and say, well, maybe, maybe this is a feature they are looking for, but maybe I don't actually want to add that to the game and kick it out. Mm-hmm. And then as and then you can go back and, and play test again. You collect yeah. more more user stories and go on. I think maybe when we do that episode, we should do it because yeah. I'm, I'm listening to that and thinking like, man, that sounds really useful for, for Passion. I would love if you could lead me through that whole thing. That'd be great. Yeah, I think we could do that. Cool. Let's make that our project. It'll be a sprint. You'll be the scrum master. <sighs> so so we don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, do you want to call out some games that we played and enjoyed and where we see them going? Yeah. Um so I want to actually back up real quick. Okay. Um I learned just one of the I have one interesting panel that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Just in in the very briefest sense. I went to a game I went to a panel of people talking about uh fighting in games. Okay. And it ended up being a lot more about LARPing. Uh, okay. And just basically the answer was just like we were very they, like it was a whole panel of people who have like they have been trained in actual martial arts yeah going oh it's really frustrating because no one in, in larp actually like like for larps especially yeah is like actually doing like what you should be doing okay and in fact like in all the like white wolf games yeah um conflict in that is like rock paper scissors yeah and so you've got these big blustery uh vampires who then go rock paper scissors rock. <laughs> yeah. um and that was just super weird i shall destroy you um, with my scissors uh but but and the thing that they were that was interesting was they were talking about this trend toward like like seven c does a really good job sort of moving you toward it but yeah. that but that they all across the board preferred fate and powered by the apocalypse games that are more narrative driven yeah where you're not trying to turn actual fighting into mechanics yeah you're just narratively explaining it yeah and like you've accepted that maybe it's not accurate yeah and that was where they were interested in cool um, hey, that's good because last yeah. year I got the feedback of you need to have a combat system. And when I heard that, I said, no, I don't. Well, I didn't say no, I don't because I was very, I didn't want to be rude. But uh, but then I just, I didn't make one. So I'm glad to hear those those folks uh, yeah. would support that decision. I also learned, um, do not piss off Elsa Henry in a back alley because she will beat the crap out of you because she is trained in so many martial arts uh, and showed off some stuff. Oh, that's um, and, awesome. And they got it. And right at the very end, we got into they got into a very interesting conversation about how to uh, convey people with disabilities. Yeah. Because if you don't know Elsa Henry, she is blind. Yes. Um, and she was talking about how she was so frustrated watching Dare, the Marvel's Daredevil. Yeah. Because as someone who is also blind, in theory, yeah. the first thing she, he does whenever he goes into combat is ditches his white cane. Yeah. She's like, this is the thing you can hit someone with. Yeah, that's a weapon that you <laughs> can she, use in a fighting. she's training in stick fighting so yeah. that if she ever has to, she can. Yeah. So stay on her good side. <laughs> she's a very nice lady. It doesn't seem like it would be that hard. So, so who would win a fight? Elsa Henry or Daredevil? I don't know. Probably Daredevil because he 
can actually kind of see. But, okay, well, but the, the, let's, it, cut she might give, let's cut she that. She might give him a run for his money. They did. They Somebody in the audience tried to get the palace to all argue about which of them would win in a fight, and they That's kind of so bailed funny. hard on that question. <laughs> I can understand bailing on that. Um, oh but my so that, gosh. Was, that was a really interesting panel that I sat down on. Awesome. Um, and But for games that I played, there was an interesting... Um, I was talking a little bit at the very end of the convention with Avi. Yeah. Um, who helps put the whole thing together. Yeah, she does an amazing um, job. She and Vinny and, yeah. and so many other people do an incredible job. And she was talking about how she had observed, and I had actually participated in this a little yeah. bit, uh, a trend towards games that were um, evaluating what it means to be um, a man, like masculinity. Okay. What does yeah. masculinity look like? Um, and that was very interesting. And, I, and I've, I've kind of had an idea for an episode for a while talking about um, like socially responsible gaming. Yeah, we've talked like about how, that a how couple can we, times. How can you teach people things? And I think that giving people an open forum to kind of discuss these topics and explore yeah. them in a safe space of people who are like like of like minded people who are in, or not like minded people who are interested in also exploring that. Yeah, uh, is interesting. And it'll yeah, be, it is it'll be interesting to see <laughs> as the a couple games that I played uh, progress and more people start doing that. If anybody ever wants to hear like a really confusing uh a really a really confusing thing that kind of worms back in on itself talk to me about uh spaces for male socialization because i have a lot of thoughts and <laughs> a lot of them don't make sense together like it, it's it's there's some bizarre i mean there's i i do believe that our society is super patriarchal but there's a lot of things that maintain that and yeah. I think that looking at masculinity includes a discussion of those maintaining factors and what they mean and just everything. Oh my gosh, that is, that is too big of a topic. <laughs> we can't tackle that. <laughs> no, no, no. We have like what, 10 no, minutes yeah. maybe. So you and I both played love commander, yes, which we, is a uh, totally different game from that. <laughs> it is a card was, based party game. Yes. A card based uh, party story social deduction game, which is by Dev Prokayasta. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, who is just wonderful. I love yeah. Dev. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our sessions went totally differently. It's sounded very, like, we well, talked a little bit. Well, one of the things that Dev did that I think was very interesting that I don't know if we'll have time, we can't talk about it now, but maybe later, uh, is he made really radical changes to how he was running the game between yeah. his sessions. Like, I think he did four or five different sessions and every one use different rules, which is just, <laughs> yeah. ah, <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, this very wild and bantering sort of thing. Uh, yeah. It, it pulled a lot of influence from games like mass effect and FTL yeah. and, uh, a couple other space games. And I could definitely see those influences. Yeah. You rolled like kind of like randomy rogue like style characters where you had, mm-hmm a race and a role and a, and a, um, and some different background histories. Yeah. And you had to answer some questions about yourself and then you're all in this spaceship trying to do missions. Yeah. And, but like what was cool about it is that it was a social deduction game, but it was a weird social deduction game. It was, I have to, I have to say it was one of my favorite social deduction games. Yeah. Uh, and I think the way that he play tested it with us was better than the way that he play tested it with you. Yeah, because we didn't really get into the social deduction at all. We got pretty hard into but it. But that's that like that is just a that's another case of that was a we played either we it was a little bit of we played weirdly and the rules didn't push us in that direction. Yeah, and definitely which is a which is a little bit of a fix your math problem. Right. But that's super easy to do. And well yeah, I mean if nothing else, uh he changed the rules enough for us, because I was yeah. after you, uh, to make it hit a little bit harder. 
Uh, I, I played so many games. Um, I want to quickly shout out, uh, I did a focus group of semi-gods with Kevin Petker, which is going to be playing uh, Moana or American God-style stories uh, that you are playing these gods that are all like pushing each other around and doing stuff like that. I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. It's very early still, but uh, Kevin Kevin knows his stuff. Yeah. Um, I played maybe one of the best put together games I played because I, I tend to actually go for games that are like not finished. Yeah, you, like I look for alphas and for alphas. tests. Yeah. Um, but one of the one of the most put together games I played was Love Each Other by Gavin okay. White. Yeah. And that game is just beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. It sounds phenomenal. Um, it is a queer peri-apocalyptic game about what it means to be othered in a, in a world in the future. And like we took ours um, you have some some swing, yeah. To say like what like well, there's some choices you make about what the apocalypse is that's destroying the world, yeah. And ours was all about um, global warming had like ruined the country, okay. And all of the the and basically all of the people who were like the wealthy, um, straight people, yeah, had kind of conglomerated into these like super cities. Okay. Because they had the money to like afford that. And it left all of these like scattered, ruined, lost queer folks everywhere else in the country. Yeah. And the countryside. And like, can, could you, like, where, like, how, and it was all about exploring like how terrible that was. Yeah. And also, like, where are the, where is the hope that like absent some of these terrible things, community, can communities form? Yeah. In a world where you like, maybe you're a, like like the basically like the the thing that we dealt with a lot in our like a little bit of session that we played was like you are like you lived in the other world prior to the apocalypse so this isn't like mad max where like people yeah. never knew what life was like um and, and so they were queer people who had lived in the other world and already knew that distrust of society yeah and then all of a sudden apocalypse happens and now yeah. you have to trust people even less and like how do you ever relate to someone uh-huh. Yeah, and it was it is a two player game. Um, we played it almost four players um, because that's something we really really didn't talk about. But I think my my game also might be more than two players. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, I can't. We we need to do another issue, another issue, another cast on that as well. Yeah. But I literally I ran out of this game and I found Jeff Stormer and yeah. I brought them back to Gavin and I said, Hey Gavin, this <laughs> Gavin is Jeff. Is you Jeff. guys need to meet because because Jeff does podcasts about two player games. Yeah. And this is a phenomenal game and yeah. you guys need to work together and and like it's good. It's very good. And it was a case of I had been placed into it because yeah. I was a game designer and and th- like the great the great kind of story I took away from it was there were other people who'd signed up because Gavin is a is a wonderful human being yeah. and their games are phenomenal um and everybody else had si- it was a high test yeah and everyone else had just sort of signed up and they had this moment of uh oh we don't really feel qualified to be here because it's a high test it's a yeah. high test and i as the one game designer who had been placed in was like i don't feel qualified to be here because i'm a straight white dude yeah <laughs> um you guys are all like you are super passionate about this topic yeah. enough that you found this game out and signed up and came here at 11 o'clock at night to play <laughs> it. Um, and it was just really interesting that we'd all sort of felt this like weird moment of otherness yeah. that sort of brought us together in as, as a group yeah. to then play this really awesome game. 
Yeah. Awesome. And, and, all, and ultimately, they all gave phenomenal feedback. Yeah. And so it was just another like good message of like, if you think you're a game designer, you're a game designer. Yeah. Experience means nothing. Like some of the best game, some of the best game feedback I've gotten has been from people that are there in their first year. Yeah. And some of the worst game feedback I've gotten have been from people that have been doing this for well, and that years. comes back to the user stories type thing of yeah. like if you can just tell people who are writing like working on games yeah. your feelings about the game yeah then that can be its own helpfulness like they Absolutely. can take that and run with it and maybe you're not a you've not progress you maybe you haven't designed dozens of games yeah and you can't like you're not Erica Chapel who can sit down and talk to you someone about <laughs> like they the 14 games that she's written and all of the different ways you can run mechanics for Apocalypse World and stuff like that but yeah like that's still like you can and like. And those people are helpful in a certain way, but yeah. that you don't want someone telling you how to do the mechanics in your game. You yeah. want someone to tell you about how you experience their game and then they can take those emotions yeah. and move forward. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jeff Stormer, uh, who brought Mission Accomplished, which is the finale of a Paranoia game. And it was amazing. We had like silly little characters and it was quick and it's a party game yeah i was so mad it's I brilliant to play i i have to, i'm so thrilled with it and like the one honestly the one question that we had at the end of it was so when is this getting kick-started like like what is your publication model uh because it is it's a game that's done uh and I, I cannot wait to have it and to play i might actually be sending jeff a message and just going like <laughs> is this hey, the, me- is this hey, the message? buddy uh, yeah, this is me sending Jeff a message. Uh, this is very similar to, to me with found footage last year that I'm yeah. going, hey, I need it. Uh, just I let me know. Well, yeah, I, I need it. it. I need it. I need it. Um, I unfortunately, you did, but I unfortunately did not yeah. get to play uh, Randy Lubin's oh uh, Behind the Music. Yeah, Behind, behind the Magic. Behind, behind the Magic. Yes. Um, which it was is a game my first LARP that I was super excited to play, but just kind of like didn't find a real good, good place to fit in my schedule. And there yeah. was an opening at the very end of the at Sunday. Yeah. And I was just so exhausted that we kind of yeah. had to bail. Um, and I am I'm very upset that I did not get to play that. And Randy, we will have to reach out to you. And Randy, get, <laughs> Randy's maybe the nicest person. Yeah. Uh, I was telling uh, Alex Roberts that I I met her clone and yeah. and his name is Randy. Yeah, Randy flew out from San Francisco. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, and his wife came and too, t- and I got to meet her. His wife and yeah. uh, she brought her own game. And I wish I wish I was able to get into her game. It sounded so interesting, but I just yeah. I couldn't fit it. Um, it was great. It was uh, a mockumentary thing playing fantasy heroes. Yeah, it was described as Lord of the Rings meets uh, This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah, that's real accurate. Um, it had a lot of really great things about it. Uh, there were a couple little things that I think Randy was able to say to us, like, this is what I want to tighten up. And I think that he has the exact right idea for it. Um, I'm, I, I loved it. It was so much fun. Yeah. It sounded uh, really good. He had me at, uh, bard confessionals. Yeah. The bard confessionals were so good. They were solid. Um, Hey, speaking of people that came a really long distance, I'm going to get a good transition on all of these games. Nice. I've got this now. Nahual by Miguel Angel Espinosa. Um, it is coming in through Magpie Games, and it nice. is he came all the way from Mexico. Ooh. Uh, like international flight had to get. I think he had to get a passport. I think he hadn't yeah. had one before. Um, and he's so nice and so wonderful, and I'm so. He also did a bunch of work on Pasión de las Pasiones's uh, layout. Uh, oh, that's cool! I didn't know that. Oh my gosh! I and I, I'm so happy I got to meet him and hang out with him because he and I had been talking a whole lot. Uh, we, had, we had talked, I don't know if this was on air or not, about um, 
at some point you'll have to hopefully um, yeah. come out with a Spanish language version of it. That's and, the and hope. Maybe he could help you translate. I very much intend to be like, hey, Miguel. Um, in any case, uh, it is a game about being uh, Nahuales, which are, uh, I, I, I'll admit, my my Mexican folklore knowledge is not super strong, but it's people that have uh, kind of a spiritual connection to uh, a sort of an animal totem. Um, and they are, in this case, fighting back against angels. And they're fighting, butchering, and selling the body parts of angels. And so it's all about colonialism. It's all about yeah. uh, the kind of mixed heritage, the mixed identity that is inherent to being uh, Mexican, or in many cases, I mean, I know it applies to Peru as well, that there is an inherent strangeness to being uh, part indigenous, to being part totally tied into the Spanish, uh, to the Spanish culture that came in and wrecked things and conquered and killed. But uh, having people that you know, maybe they go to church and worship in very similar ways to the Spanish conquerors, while also saying, "Hey, my identity is yeah Mexican." Uh, and it was a phenomenal game, and Sounds he really cool. he gets PBTA, and I and I know that he's been working hard with Magpie as well. Speaking of people that get PBTA, uh, and also uh, this is another game that that has its roots in uh, South America, old well, Central America, uh, Atitlan Riders by Garrett Raininghouse, uh is all about being tuk-tuk riders in like a Fast and the this Furious game. This game sounds phenomenal. It was so much fun. And we got to actually design our tuk-tuks. Like with, uh, tuk-tuks are like these little, uh, they're really common in India, I know, and also in a lot of Central American countries. Um, they're these little uh, motor vehicle things that are like kind of like taxis. And they tend to be decorated in these bright colors with like stickers and paint and all sorts of stuff. And I got to end the game by driving into a lake and slamming <laughs> someone's face with a baseball bat because they had messed with me in the past. Uh, oh my God, I've got too many games to talk about. I played Issues again, which we talked about last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, heard that you said he'd made a lot of updates. It's tightened up. It's really good. It's better. Uh, I cannot wait. That is going to come out. You know, that's like just on the corner, uh, around the corner. I played Cobblestone by Jackie Beckwith. It's definitely early. She had all of the basic moves put together. She had the playbooks kind of decided upon what is the playbook. She really has a really good feel of where the game exists and where the game plays. And I think it's it's looking like it's going to be really good. Um, I don't want to give too much uh, of a judgment on it yet just because it is still relatively early. Like she didn't have playbook moves for the individual playbooks yet. But she's doing some really interesting, fun things with the four humors, and she's doing some really interesting, fun things with having kind of almost like an aspect style artifact that your character comes in with. Huh. Yeah, that it just is a thing that, hey, you use it, you cross it off, and it's burned. And that was really cool. I had a lot of fun with that. Now I'm looking through my list. Uh, I also played, I played my first Boffer LARP. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like I wasn't very good at it. And I felt like maybe there wasn't enough time for me to get into it. My fun story about the other side of that was I was coming out of my playtest yeah. of 
of uh, Love Commander. Yeah. And the room we played in, I don't know if you played in Boardroom 5, but Boardroom 5 was like the bottom of the of the, of yeah. the um, convention center and it was way off in one corner. Yeah. And it was freezing That's cold. where we were too. And so we left and went out into the main lobby yeah. uh, to talk about the game. And as as the, as the like we're talking about this game, people start showing up and there's this big group of people and they all have boffer swords and yeah. I like didn't know that boffer larps happened at Metatopia. <laughs> Me neither. And I looked over and I saw Brandon and I was like, is that Brandon <laughs> playing a boffer larp? <laughs> what is going on so, here so <laughs> so here's what went down is um i played nahual with calvin ortega um who is one of the people that's kind of he ran the test and also is one of the people at absolute zero gaming that is doing this thing uh and he was like hey come be in my larp and i was like yeah absolutely i'd love to because he was so much fun at the table and then i got there and there were swords and i was like oh my gosh i do not have enough background or knowledge to do this <laughs> Uh, but I did it and it was fun and it was, uh, it, I think that I was not a good play tester for it because the questions that I had in my mind that I didn't really ask were things that everyone else was just handling with such stride. Yeah. Um, like I did not, I, it, I, it seemed like a really good boffer LARP. It seemed like he really had it together and it seemed like the questions that people were asking were being handled well. Um, yeah. And so I, I just, I just didn't have the perspective to really know what to do. Um, yeah. but I almost stole the giant, like the big, uh, artifact at the very end of it. Nice. Uh, but I couldn't do it. Speaking of not having the perspective to yeah. know what to do, I played Passion. Yeah, oh yeah. You see, you did play Passion. Uh, and it went pretty well. It went, it went really well. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have to do an episode maybe where we check back in with that game and, yeah. and where it's been. Cause I think we're pretty much at a time. Oh my gosh. Episode. We're running low. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, the game was phenomenal and it was great because it was it was me and you yeah. and John Adamus and Morgan Ellis and and Brendan Conway, and Brendan Conway, my, my mentor, Brendan Conway. my mentor on this game. Um, and that game was phenomenal. It was like a midnight game. We yeah. were all super tired. Oh, and my gosh. It, was, it got wacky. I have to say, I think that is maybe my favorite session of a game ever it meant so much but it was me. great because not it, it got wacky yeah but like you said we, in the we best still ways. and we still got like there was still romance yeah it, there was a it was lot great. of romance and then like and some of it was like again super accidental like yeah i was playing el jefe and i accidentally started realizing oh i'm flirting with the cowboy like <laughs> yeah i was trying to like possess him and own him as a as like a, a militant wild like figure in the, in the universe and i was like at some point this isn't just like a boss wants to have a cool employee yeah. but like he kind of really like wants this guy yeah. in a was, more romantic way and it was a cool thing that i did by accident it was a wonderful really well. moment yeah uh and there's just so many wonderful incredible amazing games there there's so many i, I want to yeah. talk about that i can't yeah. um i know that uh one that elsbeth uh our dear friend of the show and also cast member on protean city, Protean city uh, played Brendan Conway's Halcyon City Heroes. Yeah. Which is an upcoming, I think it sounds like it's a little bit on the horizon, but yeah. upcoming uh, card game card version game of that, masks. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it sounds like it has some deck builder things. And That's so, cool. so don't tell James and don't let any of our listeners know, and especially don't let Brendan Conway know, but I intend for there to be protean city characters for that as well. Nice. I won't tell um, anyone. Don't tell anyone, please. All right. But so, yeah. so I think that the, 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 the sort of the last thing that we can kind of say on yeah. this topic is that Metatopia is phenomenal. It's yeah. a very well run convention. It is the second or third convention I've ever been into my life yeah. in my life. 
Um, and and that we have a ton of more stories about this. Yeah. So if you are interested in hearing us talk about those stories, then you should get in touch with us because we can keep like we we like we are online everywhere, always talking about these things. Yeah. So. Um, it, and, and and especially if you are someone who we played a game with, and yeah. and and we uh, and, and you want to get keep being in touch with us, you can find us at Stop Hack and Roll on Twitter, or individually at uh, and the Meltdowns, or at Doctor Captain Cobalt. Uh, you can find all of our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working on. We probably need to update that and add some new stuff. We have a lot um, that we need to add. I was now. actually looking at new WordPress uh, layouts for the website, Ooh. Um, but that is at stophackandroll.com. Uh, we also, uh, this is a little a little mini plug, uh, Pasión de las Pasiones has a G plus community. Oh. And theoretically, Stop, Hack, and Roll does as well. But I am seeing the last time we posted on that was 43 weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and we need to do better about yeah, that because yeah. G Plus has an amazing, vibrant uh, community of people. Yeah. So find Pasión de las Pasiones on G Plus and find Stop, Hack, and Roll on G Plus to learn more about those things, hopefully. Yeah. We make this podcast and also now Protean City. Yay. Uh, with the support of Patreon backers like mm-hmm. Rob Abrazado, Robert Kosick, Nick Clark, Randy Lubin, Riverhouse Games, Richard Kretzlandry, Jimmy Rogers, Troy Pitchelman, Anthony Nomorosa, Blake Ryan, Chad Owen, Declan Chadborn, V. Brower, and Rob Harvey. Thank you guys so much for supporting us, both financially and by coming out to conventions and meeting us and helping us like play test our games and stuff. Yeah. And being in our Discord. Um and and just thank you thank even thank everyone who participates in this community it is what makes the this great and 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 uh it makes this worth doing yeah uh we've been i've also just partway through the episode i started uh i realized i wanted to check something on our itunes page and i saw that we have we've had like eight ratings and we have three reviews and just thank you so much for everyone doing that. Uh, that is a great way for people to learn about the show. Uh, so if you like us, give us those five stars. And, yeah. So uh, if- like, rate and subscribe and do all your socials <laughs> and it's your boy. Yeah. If And, and so if, if you can support us financially, then we are always there at patreon.com slash stop, pack and roll. But if you can't, hopefully the message that you're taking away from this is that that's totally fine. Oh yeah. Just come and talk to us on Twitter. Come join our discord, which is at tinyurl.com slash S H R discord or at discord.stophackandroll.com. It's a super cool community of people who are all writing games, talking about video games, talking about cooking, talking about <laughs> uh, literally everything. Um, and it's super great. Yeah. And uh, be on the lookout. There's more stuff coming. Yeah. Always. Just yeah. there's always more stuff coming. We're trucking along. Um, so what uh, what ridiculous over the top idea are you bringing to Metatopia next year? Oh, I might be bringing in. Well, uh, for one, I might be bringing an alternate version of my fantasy football game where you play as a giant robot. Nice. Um, but oh, I had I did I definitely had a game idea. I have a stupid idea of a uh a loot and gear based oh, right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogue, roguelike dungeon crawler loot oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah loot no no not loot based <laughs> oh, 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 i just sorry for the listeners <laughs> i just gestured <laughs> like just, i was strumming a like loot. strumming a loot like a guitar uh no not that although maybe because i have to swing immediately from being the most narrative to the least narrative but i think as a, as a final note the greatest thing that happened was that 
we we had two of our cast members from Protean City and two of our good friends, Mark mm-hmm. and Elspeth, came to Metatopia. Um, yeah. <laughs> and both of them were just like, hey, we're here to support the podcast and we want to play test some cool games. Yeah. But we were not really like, we're not really interested in writing we're not games. game designers. And, and we, and, and, and coming out of that, they've like, they at least one of, uh, like Mark got really involved. Mark is a, a math uh Yeah. Uh, person. A math. He's a math. And yeah. so he he got in touch with some of the some of the board game designers and like was helping this guy like rework the math in his game. Yeah. And Elizabeth has some great game ideas that she's coming up with. And I think that the one piece of advice that I can remind them of when moving forward in their new their new lives as game developers is don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. you were doing that <laughs> so good that's the worst one yet i wrote down in my book stay the hell away from carnival food <laughs> welcome to stop back and roll a podcast about trying to cover a hundred topics but mostly eating empanadas i ate so many empanadas